today is from the book of Exodus. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. And I invite you to pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I must turn aside and look at this great sight. I've been thinking of the times in my life I have mumbled something like that under my breath, if I still had breath not taken away by the beauty before me. There was the time I lay in a field in Kentucky at midnight and realized there were way more stars in the sky than I had ever before imagined. And the afternoon in Montana, when I finally understood the line in the song about purple mountain majesties. The mornings in Saner, Wisconsin, on the banks of Plum Lake, watching the sun rise through a blanket of fog. These are moments when God just seizes your attention and holds on to it. Gratitude and reverence and awe bubble up from deep within you, and you feel very small, but in a good way. Perhaps you've heard the term thin space. These are said to be places where the membrane between heaven and earth is, well, thin. They are places where you feel closer to God. They are places where the bush is burning but not consumed, metaphorically speaking. Sometimes they are places people go out of their way to visit. There is an island called Iona off the western coast of Scotland. The island only has 120 permanent residents but hosts countless pilgrims every year, people who yearn to experience the island's mysterious and spiritual beauty for themselves. One Iona guide 
leads her pilgrims to the highest vista on the craggy mountain and leads them in a round of centering prayer. They repeat these words, wait, wait, wait for God. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait, wait, wait for God. But then there are thin spaces that emerge out of thin air. There is holy ground that is not yet tamped down by the footprints of pilgrims. There are sacred spaces wherein no one is chanting, wait, wait, wait for God, with the wholehearted expectation that God will, in fact, show up. Sometimes the metaphorical bush is blazing where you least expect it. And it strikes me that these are the ones we are most likely to miss. Because you have to remember that Moses could have kept walking. Maybe there are countless untold stories of burning bushes that went unseen, unnoticed. But Moses stopped. Moses said to himself, sweet fancy Moses, I need to know what's going on here. Moses looked. Now Moses wasn't out in the desert looking for God. He was not a pilgrim in pursuit of a thin space. He was a shepherd watching his father-in-law's flock. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here and wager that it is entirely possible that this means in the moments before Moses encountered the burning bush, he was bored out of his mind alone in the middle of nowhere with no one but sheep for company until God showed up calling him by name. So in addition to thinking about the times in my life I've been awestruck, I've known I've been on holy ground, I've also been thinking about the times in my life when boredom reigned. Times when time slowed to a crawl as I desperately watched the clock. These days, I don't seem to have many opportunities for boredom. If I am wait, wait, waiting, not for God, but for my turn to check out at Mariano's, I just whip out my phone and check my email or respond to a text. If the person in front of me in line has an especially full cart, I might even play a word on one of my many online Scrabble games. This is not necessarily a good thing. As I often tell my unconvinced children, boredom is healthy. It's good for your brain to have a rest from constant engagement. After all, if you're never bored, you'll never daydream. If you were in worship a few weeks ago on Youth Sunday, you heard several of our teenagers speak beautifully and thoughtfully about their faith journeys. And two of the reflections included honest confessions that as children, they found church to be profoundly boring. I nodded knowingly. I think a lot of us did. 
We do our best to make the beginning of worship reasonably interesting for the kids, especially first steps. I mean, we took our shoes off for these kids today. By the time we sing them off to Sunday school, though, I'm pretty sure most of them are more than ready to go. Except, you know, for the ones who also think Sunday school is boring, despite the best efforts of Hope and her team of terrific teachers. Six of one, half dozen of another. Our former Christian ed director, Jan Fricaro, used to tell the story of parents who had asked their kid about Sunday school. We'll call him Billy. What did you learn today, Billy? They asked. Billy responded, it's always the same. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> so here's the thing. Kids are often bored in church. And if we're really going to be honest, sometimes grown-ups are too. I even wonder if one of the actions of worship right along with singing and praying and sitting in those not quite comfortable pews is fighting boredom. And this is perfectly okay. It really is. It's perfectly okay because it means we showed up. We showed up for our neighbors and the pews around us. We showed up to honor God whether or not we perceived God's presence. And by showing up, we made ourselves available to the possibility that just when we least expect it, just where we least expect it, the shrubbery will go up in holy flames. I spent much of my childhood bored in church. I vividly remember the monotony of most Sundays. But then I also have a very small handful of memories of a different sort. Like the time I was pressing my ear against my mother's chest and feeling the hymn resonate in her body as she sang. At the time, I didn't know that was a burning bush. In the fullness of time, it means everything to me to be a person who knows amazing grace by heart who hides how great thou art in my very bones. And then there was the morning when Reverend Folkrod might as well have lit the communion table on fire with the words he spoke. He said, it doesn't matter if you're an alcoholic or a sexaholic, you are welcome at this table. At the time, I didn't know that was a burning bush. I was just astounded to learn that the preacher knew about sex. <laughs> but in the fullness of time, it means everything to me to live out my Christian faith in a tradition that is adamant that the table is open to everyone. And then there was that one time we did an extra special ritual I'd never seen before. It was even better than the Sundays we got cubes of Wonder Bread and little cups of red grape juice. The church leaders gathered at the chancel and set something on fire, literally, this time. It was the closest thing to an actual burning bush I had ever seen. I was impressed and glad I'd skipped out on Sunday school. In the fullness of time, I asked my parents what extra special religious ritual that had been. And they sheepishly explained that they'd been burning the church mortgage. 
But no wonder everyone was so happy that day. <laughs> the bank no longer had a claim on their sanctuary. It was a sacred space of their own, a place to worship, a place to be bored, a place to wait, wait, wait for God. Maybe nothing happens 99 times, but if you aren't there, if you aren't here, you miss that one time when something does happen, when the Spirit moves in that nearly imperceptible way that nonetheless changes your heart or your mind or maybe even your life. The shepherd Moses says, I must turn aside and look at this great sight. Poet Mary Oliver says, instructions for living a life, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Maybe it is a lot of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus around here. But maybe sometimes it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen.